Yes, it is the weekend and the launch of a new addition to the podcast. I've traveled to 18% of the world, covering close to 1.5 million miles, and thought it would be good to integrate a shorter episode each week, time permitting, called Short Takes, Exploring the World. At the end of each episode, I'll also add a travel tip. I'm going to start with Korea. I've been there a half dozen times, and I'm going to give a little preview of being stationed in Korea as time progresses, and include the rest of my travels, both in the United States and mostly across the six continents. Let's get started. Going to Korea at 29 years old caused a great deal of anxiety. I asked a mental health professional if I would recognize my birth mother if I encountered her, and the answer was no, since I would have only seen her face for a minute or so at most. Okay, so in preparation, I decided to learn Hangul, the Korean language. Hangul has 24 characters with many vowels. The characters are geometric in shape, so it was relatively easy compared to, say, Chinese, Thai, or Japanese. Before leaving for Korea, I learned how to read language. I didn't know what it meant, but I could read the characters. That's when I looked at phrases and things I might need. Here are some of my experiences with Hangul. Fast forward, I'm in Korea and experimenting with my skills. When people saw me on public transport or in shopping areas, they would start speaking to me in Korean. And I would usually just say, Chunchini, Chunchini, which means speak slowly. And they would just switch to English. I would try to get them to help me with my Korean, but usually to no avail. Elderly Korean folk, especially women, wouldn't understand why I couldn't speak Korean. Sometimes I would try to say something in Korean to start with, and I would speak very slowly, like this. And they would usually look away and walk away because they thought either I was making fun of the language or I had some form of a speaking impediment. Another story about learning Korean was on a trip to Seoul. I was in the back of a taxi and saw a sign after sign, and the words spelled out, Kapon. I'm, mutter I'm muttering, Kapon, Kapon, over and over, and I cannot figure out what that means. Finally, I asked the driver, all these signs, they all say Kapon. What, what does that mean? And he says, car phone. Oh, car phone. There is no R in Korean. So here's the funniest story with me speaking Korean. I was with my boss and I was driving to an area where we were unfamiliar with to find a small military post in central Korea. We couldn't find it. By the time I could read a fair amount of Korean, the signs are easy to figure out because the sounds sound like a town or city and indicated a turn or directions. After not finding it, I saw a policeman standing on his post. At roundabouts, there was a police officer standing on a pedestal in the circle directing traffic. I forget the name of the small camp, so we'll call it Camp Cat. I called out, where is Camp Cat in Korean? He would point and said something very fast, and I would try to 
take that in and then I would try to go find another placement and try to get some more phrases that I could figure out where we were going. Well, that didn't work too well. So finally, I saw a police station. I said, I'll go in and get directions. Inside, there were three or four officers. In my Korean, I asked, where is Camp Cat? He looked at me, very puzzled. I said it again. I emphasized different syllables because sometimes if the emphasis does change the meaning. Well, finally, I realized I can write Korean far better than I can speak it. So I handed the paper to the officer and in perfect English, he said to me, I understand what you are saying. We don't know where it is. Well, you could have said that at the start. <laughs> I think they probably got a pretty good chuckle about it. The best part of learning to read Korean is that in many shops, the price tags are in U.S. dollars. On the flip side, there would be a price in Hangul. Haggling is less now, but it was pretty prevalent back then. I'd ask how much something was, and they would say $10. I would read the back of the card, and it would say $6 in Hangul. Busted! Korea is a beautiful country. One thing that I was so fascinated with were the customs and the rice fields. Having never seen rice fields, I just thought they were amazing. They're so beautiful and all perfectly straight rows in the paddies. Driving in Korea in the 1980s was also a real adventure. Having been there last in 2017, it's a lot different now. Because I was in the military, my private vehicle and the government vehicles that I would drive all had USFK, or United States Forces in Korea, license plates. The regular police can't stop a USFK vehicle, even if it's speeding, unless they are accompanied by military police. So, if someone was driving a little too fast, they would just wave their arm up and down to try to tell you to slow down. Driving around was an experience. When I would drive from Osan to Ilsan to the Colt complex, since it was so close to the 38th parallel, in the evenings there were many obstacles in the road, so you would have to drive in almost a zigzag pattern so observers could look out for suspicious vehicles and to slow down an invasion from the north. Many times you would see uh, rocks held back by heavy wire that at first glance looked like the bypass for a bridge with no bridge overhead. These were rigged to also block the roads in case of an invasion by releasing the blocks on both sides of the roadway. The best part about Korea? The food, the food, the food. Oh my, I was able to explore the wonderful foods, street foods, restaurants, in stores. Oh, I thought they were all just really, really cool. I didn't like them all, but they were still really, really cool. I remember one time that I got a donut on the street, and donuts are usually sweet. I bit into this very, very nice donut coated with sugar, and inside was bean curd. And I'm going, oh my gosh, because you don't expect that inside a sweet dessert. Their alcoholic beverage called soju is also interesting. There is no control over the process. So you can get one bottle that is light on alcohol and one bottle that's more like moonshine. My favorite Korean food, 
still is chapche. It's made with the clear sweet potato noodles with meat, spinach, and other various vegetables, often served with rice. I'll post a photo. It's both beautiful and delicious. In Korea, you could get a little thing of chapche on the street for like maybe a dollar, dollar fifty. In the United States, I've seen it as much as twenty dollars. At the end of each short take, I'll include a travel tip. Today's tip is getting your documents in order to travel. Check that passport. Does it have at least six months before expiration? Some destinations only require three, and most require as many as six months. Secondly, did you apply for global entry? It's a must. Global entry includes pre-check. Global entry allows you to skip the long queue when returning from overseas travel. When I return into Dulles Airport in my local area, I can be off the plane and out of the airport in less than five minutes. Yes, sometimes faster. In addition, pre-check also allows you to skip the line to the fast lanes at domestic airports. It's a hundred dollars for five years, and some credit cards will reimburse you. So, twenty bucks a year. It is really well spent. If you live close to Canada, you might consider Nexus. This is only fifty dollars per five years and includes TSA and a form of global entry. So you can also skip the line coming back into the U.S. regardless of the country you're coming from. The drawback is that you can only process at a Nexus processing center, and they're located near the Canadian border. The additional advantage is that you can skip the line in Canada as well as the United States, and I had it for five years, and it saved a lot of time on several occasions. Lastly, if you don't have a military ID or other government ID, then a license. You will need a real ID driver's license for TSA if you don't want to travel domestically without your passport. The implementation date is May third, twenty twenty-three. Check your state DMV for more. The plan is to publish a short take on travel on the weekend with the regular journey episodes on the current schedule. Pictures are posted on Twitter and Instagram for the short takes as well. I'll talk about Seoul and the adventures there in the next short take, and include the 1990. I'm sorry, the 1988 Seoul Olympics and Paralympics. Thanks for listening, and I hope you'll find this a nice addition to the podcast. Listen for the next regular episode. I'll share my 23andMe DNA results, more farm stories, an innovative food supply idea, and the school activity that was a fit for me. See you then. The Boy in the Trash Can podcast is a production of CSJ Associates.